0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller. Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. We're about to talk here with uh, Ben Bolch, covers the UCLA Bruins for the LA Times. PK, how much faith do you have in the rebuilding job at UCLA?
1: Uh, You know, I thought that it would take a little bit, but I didn't think it would be this difficult. Obviously, it's been a little more difficult than I thought, uh, but I still think that, uh, you know, you've got to give it time. It needs to be done the right way. Uh, They've had some crazy times here so far. Uh, So uh, I think right now I was more encouraged last year than I was the year before. But I'm grateful for UC Los Angeles because – it takes the heat off. For years and years, I've had to hear about ASU being a sleeping giant. Well, now it's what's wrong with Chip Kelly's team? I know, right? <laughs> so I don't have to hear that.
0: Four and eight was uh, a little bit of a head scratcher, a little bit of a bizarro. And but they started one and five, and you know maybe the way they played the second half of the season, that it was a weird. It was just a weird year all the way around. I mean, some things were predictable. You knew when they had scheduled Oklahoma, like, well, that may have been a good idea at the time, but now they're completely overmatched. Right. But to bounce back from that with that crazy come-from-behind win at Washington State where they win 67-63 and are just breaking off 50- and 80-yard touchdowns left and right as they rally to win that game, you're like, that's Chip Kelly football. Even if he can't defend, it's going to be exciting. They're going to win some shootouts. But they... One in five midway through the season. But they got to four and eight, so a little bit of improvement down the stretch, but still. Well, let's talk with Ben Bolch. He covers the UCLA Bruins for the LA Times. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Ben, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. We were just discussing uh, big picture before we drill into the roster and some of the challenges here the Bruins face. But big picture, how much faith do you have in a rebuilding job after watching the Bruins go 4-5 and five in conference and 4-8 and eight overall in the fall of 2019?
2: Well, I'll be honest with you, not, not a ton. Uh, and, and I base that more so on the talent level of the roster and the recruits coming in than the results in the first two years. I mean, most people know that it takes a little while to get rolling with, with a new regime. Uh, But, you know, beyond just going seven and 17 in two years, which was below anybody's expectation, uh, the recruiting has not been where it needs to be to make this an elite Pac-12 program. So to me, that's the most concerning thing. And and as I've Seen, you know, the best players have actually been the ones leaving every year, not coming in. So to me, that's that's really the most worrisome development right now for UCLA football.
1: Yeah, I think it was last year the Times did a story of like 65 guys or some outrageous number that have left the program since Chim Kelly has been there. We know, I think, the tight end, uh, he went to the draft. So there's a couple linebackers who put their names in the grad transfer portal. Is it a matter of him being difficult to play for, or as opposed to what is exactly going on?
2: Yeah, uh, it's you know it's it's a it's a confluence of factors. I mean, certainly there have been some guys who were injured and took medical retirements. There were some guys who uh, you know just wanted to go to a different program to experience a different thing. But I, I think undeniably there is a, a, a factor of. Uh, You know, guys, uh, certain guys not wanting to play for Chip for for whatever reason. Uh, And the one thing I've kind of observed watching the program is that it doesn't seem like it's a lot of fun to play in. uh, And then if it's not fun to play in and you're not winning, what do you really have there? And I think that's kind of the big thing confronting Chip Kelly at UCLA football right now is, you know, he's known as – you know, at Oregon, they had wild success, you know, so it was easy to have fun, regardless of how hard it was to play in that system. Uh, you know, they were winning every week, so that was the fun. At UCLA, they haven't experienced that, and I think that's kind of the biggest challenge they have, because obviously he's known as kind of a no-nonsense guy uh, with the way he runs things, so you have to have some success, go hand-in-hand with that, to have any kind of sustainability.
0: So Chip Kelly's known for these great offenses and he has had some really good running backs over the years, especially if you go back to Oregon and that and really dynamic. And Joshua Kelly ran for thousand yards, but he's off to the NFL now. Does he have a big time running back or does he have the running back by committee that, you know, three guys will run for eighteen hundred or two thousand yards? Has he got the running back or running backs that are gonna make this go?
2: Well, I think, uh, you know, based on the guys coming back, that doesn't look promising. But they do have uh, a grad transfer coming in from Duke um, named Britton Brown who had some some pretty good success with Duke uh, when he was not injured. Uh, And that's the big caveat because UCLA has brought in a number of grad transfers who look promising on paper, but then, you know, their injuries either caught up with them or they experienced new injuries. Uh, but but if you if you look at what he's been able to do, and take the injuries off the table, he could be that kind of every down back that they're looking for to replace Joshua Kelly uh, on the roster as it stands now. Um, the one guy that you would look look at is Demetric Felton uh, coming back. He's kind of an electric playmaker. But you know, as when, when Josh Kelly was out early in the season, they asked him to be that every down back, and it didn't. Really turn out uh, to be that productive. I think he's more of a change of pace guy. He's super fast. He needs to get in space. So they put they put him in the slot quite a bit. Uh, so he's kind of that like uh, guy you you want to move around and not not you know line up in the backfield and carry the ball every time. So they're going to need somebody else to emerge. Certainly, I think that this grad transfer from Duke would be would be my top candidate, uh, unless uh, one of the younger guys who hasn't really done much uh, can can kind of step up. They had three freshmen that we thought were going to be. Uh, you know, at least role players last year who, who didn't even get a single carry. Uh, so so that was a little bit surprising. Uh, they've got a ton of running backs, but they really need somebody to step up for sure.
1: I have a little bit of optimism in the run game because we know Chip Kelly has had a great number of running backs at Oregon. And I look at Kelly, you know, what was he, a Davis transfer? And by the way, we, we, we go down for uh, down there at uh, Hollywood and Highland and every year for Media Day, and, and I didn't find a more delightful kid than Joshua Kelly. He was so fun to talk to. And he was such a success story, and I wasn't expected to do what he did, but yet he bet on himself and he did it. So I'm wondering whether it's Felton. I don't even know they're going to keep Felton at running back because I know he was switching back and forth from receiver, but I do expect them to be able to run the ball because if they can't, then they're in a lot of trouble.
2: Yeah, I think that he's going to be in the mix to start the year, and then maybe, you know, Chip, the, the, the one pattern I've seen uh, in Chip's first two years is first handful of games, he's going to throw a lot of guys in the mix there and look for roles to kind of define themselves uh, and then put those guys in the best positions uh, to help the team. Uh, and that's what we kind of saw last year and, and the year before when it really took four games to cement Josh Kelly as, as the guy at UCLA and then took off and, and, and was that for the rest of his uh, career uh, with the Bruins. So, uh, yeah, I would think that you know the first handful of games, uh, whenever they're played, uh, we'll, we'll see a, a, a big rotation and that will get winnowed down.
0: So quarterback play has been an issue. Dorian Thompson-Robinson had a couple years invested in him. Where do things stand at quarterback?
2: Yeah, that's like he he's probably the biggest factor that's going to determine UCLA's success uh next season. Can he take the next step that, you know, a lot of people thought uh he was going to take after his freshman year uh and, and you know, he he certainly had some games last year where you were like, "Wow, this guy uh he he can be something special," especially uh in that Washington State comeback when he, you know, went for over 500 yards and then Even in the SC game, when they basically got blown out, he really stood in there uh, and had a really kind of gritty showing. Uh, And those are, you know, some some moments where you're like, he's he's legit, but then, you know, he'll have a game where he'll lose the ball twice without getting touched. You know, his fumbles were a huge issue last year. I think he finished the year with 19 turnovers, fumbles, and interceptions combined. And, you know, he's got to at least cut that in half for for UCLA to make any kind of – noise uh, next season so that's that's the big thing and and, and he's he's always had you know a good strong arm but the thing that he really also needs to improve on is his touch passes because you know a lot of times he'll be uh, rolling out and have an open receiver you know five ten yards away and he he can't hit him for whatever reason so those are those are the two things that I think that uh, he really needs to take that that big leap in that would make him uh, you know a a top tier Pac-12 quarterback.
1: So you look at defensively, I mean, I think they had like six seniors, uh, linebacker who are going to be gone, and then a couple guys I said put their name in the transfer. Seems like they're going to be hurting there, although I, I, if I remember correctly, Calvert's a pretty good linebacker who had some academic issues and maybe played in a game or two last year. Is he going to be okay and be the leader on that linebacking core?
2: Yeah, I, I think he's going to have a, a really good year, as you alluded to. He barely played last year. It was actually an NCAA suspension. They wouldn't ever specify what it was but uh, he basically missed the whole season and and yeah their their whole linebacking crew is gone the the one interesting thing uh, they they brought in uh, Brian Norwood from Navy to be kind of the uh, passing defensive passing game coordinator Uh, and and I'm, I'm interested to see if we see some kind of schematic switches even though he's not the defensive coordinator you know maybe they'll uh, go to to something more like you know a five four two we've heard of or uh, some kind of hybrid look that that might be a little bit different from what they've done the first two years with Jerry Azenaro as the defensive coordinator because let's face it uh, they haven't been uh, good at all in defense and last year in fact they were historically bad in, in a couple of categories so something needs to change there you know they've got a lot of turnover I think the defensive line and, and secondary should be in pretty good shape but the big question mark is you're you're replacing every starting linebacker that's that's uh that's a big hole that they have to fill um so i'll be interested to see uh what kind of changes they do they make to try to negate that is uh something that could be an issue
0: so that brings us to uh you know the d-line and what you talk about how stuff is messed up and it's been messed up for a long time I mean, you go back to 2016, and Joe Williams comes out of retirement and runs for 335 yards, and and UCLA gets pushed all over the place. And with the previous administration, I remember—I can't even remember which new coach it was who came in who ended the tradition of the players going over the wall and missing practice on the last day of practice. And I I remember – was that Mora who did that? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember Neuheisel talking about, well, we're not committed. We practice on an 80-yard field. You know, we don't, have, we don't even have basic facilities like a 100-yard practice field. And it's just like the accumulation of all these things. Has it caught up to the program and in recruiting over a long period of time? You know, you don't notice it every year. They're in L.A. They play in a beautiful stadium. There's a lot of talent around there. But has all this stuff just caught up? Because the defensive line shouldn't get pushed around and be given up 335 yards.
2: Well, I will say there, you know, you mentioned the 80-yard field, uh, their facilities right now are are among the best in the country. They've got the beautiful new uh, Wasserman Football Center. Uh, Their field is still 80 yards, but, you know, I've never heard anybody uh, say anything about that since that that kind of infamous quip that, that went out there. Um, and I don't think it's a factor at all. I think that these guys uh, can get exactly what they need out of that. But you know, it's just a confluence of things. It's uh, you know a lot of turnover in coaching, and not only just head coaches but assistants. Uh, they've had you know multiple different D line coaches. Um, they've had they've, they lost a good one in Angus McClure, who who now is at Cal, who uh, was a great recruiter uh, and, and brought in a lot of key guys like Tack McKinley with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, and and Brian Clark and some others who uh, were were really good guys. And and, and recently uh, they've kind of uh, haven't had that success. Uh, And and, and another factor I should mention, you know, they they kind of uh, wanted to go uh, 3-4 with Chip Kelly uh, and get kind of these big uh, hole pluggers up there like Antonio Mafi, who weighed like 400 pounds. And then last year they kind of de-emphasized the big guys and went smaller and quicker, uh, and you know their depth wasn't really uh, great to do that, and they had some guys that they basically weren't using. So I think they're just kind of been in a constant flux there. Uh, they've had some recruiting misses and a lot of turnover, and you add that up together, uh, that's not uh, that's not going to you, make you have a lot of success.
1: So I think that uh, more than half of the roster were freshmen from last season. I think it was at fifty three percent and they played eight true freshmen. Two of those guys played along the offensive line who are expected to be back, led by uh, Kyle Phillips, who was a redshirt freshman. So can I expect that offensive line to be good? Because if so, that's a good sign.
2: Yeah, I think it'll be uh, a decent starting unit. The key is going to be can they develop guys uh, in case of the inevitable injury or two that we know that they'll probably have? Because right now I think their depth is pretty slender uh, there. They've got some guys that they think could be good, but, you know, with this everybody stuck at home right now and they're missing out on spring football and and who knows, you know, if we'll have to have a truncated uh, training camp going into the season. Those are kind of development times that you really need when you've got a bunch of young guys that you're trying to bring up through the ranks. So that could be a factor in in getting guys ready and really having kind of the depth they need – to withstand any sort of injury. But, you know, knock on wood, if you say they can't avoid injuries, I think their line will be uh, as good or better than, than last year. And it will, certainly will need to be to help both uh, Dorian and uh, whoever ends up replacing Josh Kelly because that's obviously the foundation of any offense.
0: So as they go out and recruit, how do they spin the tiny crowds? And I know the Rose Bowl is a massive facility, and I've been in it when there have been 45,000 people at a game, and that just happens sometimes. But it looked like they had 10 or 15 or 20,000 people at multiple games last year. How do you spin that when you're trying to recruit?
2: Yeah, it's really hard. And I think the optics, you know, anybody watching on TV or or certainly obviously if you're at the games, it's – it's not a pretty sight. And last year, as you alluded to, they, they set an all-time low uh, record uh, attendance. I can't remember what the exact number was. Somewhere in the 40s, 40,000 uh, for average attendance. And, and uh, yeah, that included having Oklahoma come and, and bring in a, a great uh, visiting crowd. So uh, I don't know that there really is any way to spin it. I mean, they can, you can certainly say, oh, well, you know, there's so many more options, especially in L.A., for sports and entertainment, there's a lot of professional teams, but ultimately, we all know that uh, you know they just have to win to, to turn that around. Because it was only 2014, six four, six short years ago, that Jim Mora uh, and the Bruins averaged 77,000, which is uh, you know pretty darn impressive, uh, and I think they were you know in the top 10 in the nation uh, for for average crowds. So. Uh, you know you just need to get some excitement and buzz going and 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 that will kind of solve itself
1: so the Bruins home games this season hopefully we have them they have themes the beach game the pride game educators appreciation higher education the Hispanic Los Bruins healthcare professionals and then first responders game which is your favorite
2: well you got to go with the first responders right I mean uh and healthcare professionals, especially people at this time, everybody who is out there uh, helping others and saving lives, uh, that's, you know, we, we joke about some of these kind of hokey things, but uh, that's, a, that's a real legit thing. And uh, certainly I'll, I'll be standing with everybody else when, when they honor these people.
0: So, it would be great if all of these games happen. We're not in California. We hear some stuff the governor is saying there. You probably hear more, and you probably talk to people around the program. Do you you think you're going to be covering games in September and October? And if not, then then when?
2: Yeah, it's a million-dollar question, right? I mean... I think today was the, is the first day that they're uh, reopening hiking trails uh, here in California, which you know is a huge deal here. But you know it's it's probably not a big step in the direction of playing a college football game. Um, UCLA is a little bit different than some of the other schools uh, in that they, in theory, have a little bit more time to decide because they're on the quarter system and their uh, fall quarter doesn't start till the third week in September. Um, obviously, right now everything's still online. Uh, but there's just so many questions that have to be answered. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it will probably be a Pac-12-wide kind of consensus decision. I don't know that, you know, you know Stanford and Arizona will play and, and certain other schools wouldn't. I would think that they would have to have some uniformity and consensus in, in a plan going forward. And as we all know, you know, the different states with different uh, sets of uh, hotspot uh, situations and things like that are going to really complicate it so um, you know they, they'd say that uh, it's basically going to be uh, based on our students on campus and can they bring the athletes back and, and play these games safely I think those are kind of the two big uh, hurdles that have to be cleared before we see college football
1: Bruins have had the last five years I think they've had three tight ends drafted including this year have they got anybody else in line to be really good at that position
2: you know, they've got some young guys, uh, but, you know, it's it's interesting because this went from literally kind of the one thing that, that made Chip Kelly uh, go with this kind of uh, quizzical offense that people were, you know, expecting something closer to the blur, and they come in and it's like a tight end heavy pro-style set. Uh, he, you know, he, he pointed to the, the bevy of tight ends that they had when he arrived as the reason for that. And now it's kind of the complete opposite. I mean, they're down to, uh, you know, giving uh, walk-on scholarships just because they don't really have the depth there now. Um, you know, they've got some young and uh, and, and and potentially promising guys, but uh, really no proven depth. I mean, they've got basically a, a freshman and, and a walk-on that I just alluded to You've got a scholarship. Greg Dulcich uh, coming up as kind of the top returning guys, and they only caught a handful of, of passes between them. So yeah, I, I, it was going to be, you know, one of my first questions in the spring, we only got to talk to Chip once, is are, are you going to change the, the look of this offense? Because, you know, you said that you went this way uh, to utilize the tight ends and he had as many as three and four on the field at a time, and now he doesn't have that depth. So I'm interested to see if that kind of changes the look of UCLA's offense. And, you know, maybe they will go to more of a, a spread look because their receivers to me right now are the strength of this team offensively.
0: Ben, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, anytime. Thank you so
0: much.